Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to a very special edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. Uh, I am Kurt Heelan, the managing editor of Pro Basketball Talk, with you as always. And today, we're going to be talking Philadelphia 76ers with a, a man right in the middle of the storm, a man who is, a, well, I would hope knows as much or more than anyone about this team, Brett Brown, the head coach of the Sixers. Coach, thanks for doing this. You are in Washington, D.C., where you guys are going to take on the Wizards, but you actually had one of those great team-building days today. What, can you talk a little about that? You got to go to the Pentagon. We, we did, and you know, throughout the course of the season, we try to earmark possibilities where we can do so, stuff like this with our young team, and uh, today was one of those. We had a chance to go visit the Pentagon, and as an organization... Uh, lay a reef at the tomb of the unknown soldier and uh, you know things like that with our young guys as we travel around the country on this NBA schedule interest us as an organization very much and today we were able to uh, to have a fantastic day as a team. How do the guys take to that? I mean you've added some veterans to the mix and I imagine some of the older guys appreciate this but when you've got a lot of 1920 when you've got a young team like you have are those guys getting it? Do they appreciate kind of the gravity of it? I think when you sort of go there, I mean, it, it, it's Arlington Cemetery is breathtaking. I yeah. think just the the scope of it, the width of it, the, the 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 historical perspective of it, you can't help but understand you're in, you're at some place quite significant. And, and I found it very interesting as I looked at my team and I watched them to look at people like Dario Saric from Croatia and Sergio Rodriguez from Spain and uh, Timothy Luau from France. You know, you, you, you just sort of felt like they, too, from a historical perspective, were, were into it, you know, listening, understanding a little bit more about America. Uh, I feel like it was a good day. It's, uh, it's stuff, as I said before, Kurt, we like to do, and I'm thrilled that we were able to do this today. Well, part of what you're trying to do with this young team, and you you know, you come from most recently, I mean, there is obviously the long background. Your father was a coach, and you coached in Australia for years and all this, but most recently, before coming to Philly, you were in the mecca of NBA culture in San Antonio that, that you know, everybody kind of wants to replicate. Is this, I imagine that you see these kind of days as steps along that road. I, I do. 
I, I do. I feel like the path that, that we were on, that I was on, a privilege to be on for, for 12 years, was different in relation to the, the, the resumes and the ages of the players, but completely the same as it relates to the appreciation of growing culture, understanding that it's always about people. And, you know, I get a bunch of young people in our team, on our team, and, uh, you know, just trying to help them navigate NBA life and move on in their own life. Things like this matter. And, um, you know, from that perspective, uh, I don't know, it's just stuff that really I feel like helps me coach them better. In San Antonio, with that culture, though, a lot of that, obviously, and, and Coach Popovich and a lot of people, yourself, have talked about this. Look, it starts with Duncan. You've got, you know, Manu, and you've got Tony Parker, and on and on down the line of veterans there. Is this kind of culture, I mean, you can try to establish it, but at some level, does it have to come from the players? I think at the end of the day, it most definitely does. We, we, we talk, I talk to our team unapologetically that I, I don't want this program uh, always being run from the top down. It, it, it's their program. They play the game. At the end of the day, I think that's what culture really is, is when the team establishes their own set of standards, their own sort of direction of behavior of what they want, you know, others to think about. This is what our program represents. This is what they stand for. And growing leaders and understanding you know, what, uh, what responsibility somebody like Joel Embiid can inherit and, and, and grow toward apart from just growing his NBA skill package, I think is key. You know, and I, it's just another layer as, as his coach that you want to help. And I use Joel as an example of how do you navigate leadership skills and what does that look like? What does it mean? Uh, but but yes to your question, you know, it does, at the end of the day, have to be uh, driven by the players. And you've talked about Joel kind of in that role a little bit before. Is this something, A, I imagine he can do in a way now just because he's playing a little and he's, he's on the court that you couldn't do from the sidelines in a suit, that you've been talking to him about this role. If this is a guy that's going to be one of the anchors for many years, hopefully, in Philadelphia of a successful team, you want to see guys like him and maybe Ben Simmons and whomever take that role on and, and willingly take that role on? Without a doubt. You know, it's part of of uh, of different forms of leadership. You know, leadership comes in different ways. Uh, some people, you know, do it through example. Some people can do it through a voice. Some people can do it with both. Yeah. And I think to force feed leadership styles on individual players is not my motive. My motive is to try to take who they are and what they are and, and help them, you know, channel it into being able to establish behaviors and standards. And uh, it is easier when the voice and, and the direction comes from your better players. And I think that uh, as we look at our young guys in our program and you start guessing and, 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 and projecting out the people that we think are going to be here for a while, apart from, as I said before, with the on-court skill package, I think there's a real need or responsibility from my part to help them understand just leadership skills. And so that is all a part of our culture and the program that I'm, I'm hoping to build. 
on the court, you've had Embiid playing you know, limited minutes through the start of the preseason, understandably, and, and you're starting to ramp that up. Have you been comfortable with what you've seen so far from him? I've been more than comfortable, and I've seen him in, in small doses for a while, even before he had his second injury. You know, you could see uh, the potential that he had, and then we saw a full month of September in the gym, and then, you know, that sort of spun off into training camp. Um, I feel that you can see how frustrated he gets when the restriction of minutes uh, is employed. You know, he does not like coming out of games. Uh, He will be the first to admit that it's different. He hasn't played basketball for two and a half years at the level that he's now playing. And simple things like balance and reading the game at sort of warp speed in real time is a challenge. But to date, what I've seen both competitively and what I've seen on the floor gives our city, gives me, gives our program just great hope that that we have something with just tremendous potential uh, in our program. With Embiid, because, I mean, like you said, not only is he not played, but the role he played in Kansas where, you know, the ball was in Andrew Wiggins' hands a little more and they had you know, they were attacking in a different style, and he... He was not the offensive focal point that you have him playing more of that role. Was there a mental adjustment even leading up to and before the season over the last couple of years to kind of prepare him for what you were going to ask? I don't know if it was a mental adjustment. I think that it was a, a an acknowledgement and admittance that the direction that his game is going, his, is going and growing uh, would warrant that, that he deserves to be, you know, if not the, certainly one of the main focal points of what we're trying to get done here. And uh, I feel like he is a willing passer. He is completely a willing defender. I think that his DNA uh, from a skill perspective and a a, a, a leadership perspective uh, allows him to sort of see the world a little bit differently than he did at Kansas. And I think that as his, uh, as his career unfolds, I think it's going to be easier for him to to embrace that type of responsibility. He certainly doesn't shy away from it now. Uh, I think we all have to be mindful of of the patience that he deserves and needs um, with the uh, lack of playing that we've just admitted. And uh, right now, like I'm just very, very pleased with uh, with the direction that he is going. Fair enough. And by the way, we're not going to tell Jayhawk fans that you think the world is bigger than Kansas, because that, that won't go over well. <laughs> um, I, I may get my house spray painted. <laughs> exactly. It's suddenly going to be a lovely shade of blue. Um, <laughs> uh, sure. You've got, though, I mean, I think part of what you're probably experimenting with, not only not only that I've seen a little bit watching you in the games in the preseason, but obviously as you head into the season— it's no secret, and your GM has made it no secret, you guys are loaded with a lot of guys who can kind of play the four, the five, and kind of long forward-type players. You spent a lot of last year trying to figure out how Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafor can or can't fit together and what situations that work. Now you bring in Sarge. You're eventually going to have Simmons. You've got MB. How, is that the next step to figure out exactly who can play with whom and in what situations and what matchups? I think, the, I, I think that as soon as we can find that answer out, it's going to be obviously better for, for everybody. Yeah. 
I think the challenge right now is that people are just unhealthy and aren't available to play. And so our preseason has been very challenging where really Jaleel has not done too much with the group. He's starting to emerge with different things where he can have a full practice, I think, in the next few days. And very soon, I think you're going to see him play his first preseason game. Nerlens has been out the past few weeks. Ben Simmons' um, injury is well documented. And so those names that you're talking about and the uh, the log jam that, that people expected, it just hasn't happened because of of, uh, of some injuries and, and unavailable um, attendances with our guys. So you don't really have a chance to see that potential problem. Um, I think the end game will be that, but I feel like it will sort itself out. When you start looking at that, when you get into the season or and, and or next season, however long it takes to get some of the every kind of everybody healthy and on the same page here, are you looking at it defensively first? Is it, is it how can we match up defensively and then we'll figure out the offense, or is it is it more nuanced than that? I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I, I feel like I see the world a lot clearer when I figure out how we can guard people and how we do match up. I feel the, uh, the, the, the direction of our program right now with, uh, with some injuries, I feel like it's going to point me more toward, um, you know, some potential big ball with, with say, Jaleel and Joel. Uh, you, you have to give that a chance to work. You've got to have a look at that. I think Dario Saric is a very natural uh, four man and maybe can be playing some three. You know, that was always going to be a challenge. Uh, where we, you know, make sure we grow Dario and Ben together. Those two deserve to be on the court together. And so you got a little bit of something going on there, and then you got some stuff going on with Nerlens and Jaleel and Joel. And so I'm at a stage now where um, I feel like it's it's uh, it's my responsibility to take what we have and find a way to make it work and truly see what we have. Um, I think when everybody gets healthy, that that's going to be more my mindsets and being scared that we can't uh, you know guard somebody on a, on a uh, like a stretch four as much as I used to be is that something that you kind of have I mean can you get that from practices and some exhibitions or and scrimmages or do you actually kind of really have to get into games that matter against you know where teams are rolling out their key players so you can get a sense of who how that meshes I think the, the games are sort of the the greatest litmus test. I think uh, you just get the greatest clarity and your gut feel of what has a chance, what's going to be difficult um, when it's real time, when it's real games. And practices, you, you know, you can, you can go through the motions, you can do the due diligence, you can sort of orchestrate different pairings, but there's nothing like going to a game and, and, you know, telling Jaleel, say he's at the four, well, you've got, you know, pick him, Ilias over or Dirk or some stretch four that can shoot. And, you know, how we navigate that world is, is a challenge. And so the games, for me, are, are far more real and far more of a learning situation than trying to construct something at practice. And you tried to do that a little bit last year. You you, you kind of switched off how you were playing Nerlens and and. Jaleel together on on coverages, which one you were keeping near the basket, which one you were kind of having chase the, you know, the growing number of stretch fours in this league. And that was just part of the seeing if we can get them to fit process? Yeah, that's, that's right, Kurt. And, 
you know, there were challenges there all over the place, you know, and we tried New Orleans as a, as a, you can chase four men because you probably are the superior athlete when you looked at Jaleel and New Orleans, and we feel like you can go ahead and chase people around the perimeter. And, you know, Jaw was left on an island his first year in the league trying to be an NBA rim protector. And there was some punishment, uh, as well as Nerlens getting used to running to the rim and not identifying people trailing in or people coming off screens. That was foreign land for Nerlens as well. And then we changed it. We said, Nerlens, go back to where you played your whole life and protect the rim, just run to the rim and block shots. And Jaleel, you come out now and try to find Dirk and, you know, mobile foreman and so on. And that was different for Jaleel. And so we really tried, we really struggled. I don't know if we ever found an answer uh, pairing those two. Um, I think that that's always going to be a part of my challenge with the team that we have. I look forward to it. You know, Jaleel is starting to grow his shot. Joel and B can shoot. And so that stretch capacity uh, as far as spatial stuff goes offensively, it becomes a little bit easier when you have people that can make a shot from 18, 18 feet. Uh, but defensively, it is a challenge. Sometimes you play like the Spurs and they throw out Paul Gasol and, and LaMarcus Aldridge, which makes it a little bit more or a lot more bearable. <laughs> uh, those things make that decision a lot easier. Yeah, th- those guys are going to be a challenge for everybody. It's not just <laughs> not just you. <laughs> with, with Dario Sark... Yes, he's a rookie, but do you think you can throw a little more at him this year? Because this is a guy I've been playing for a few years at a very high level in Istanbul and Turkey. He's wanted to come over here and challenge himself, but because of his background, can you throw more at him than a 19-year-old coming right out of college? I believe that's true. I think it's true. Uh, the limited time that I've had him since he's come out of uh, the Rio Olympic Games and been with us, yeah. You know, daily it confirms that. Uh, as you mentioned, and it's true, playing in Turkey, you know, I think the second best foreign league in the world, uh, probably behind Spain. Uh, his experience with Croatian, just junior nationals, and then the Olympic Games in, 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 in Rio um, give him a head start on many, many, you know, 22 year olds. And uh, I feel like uh, the next wave for Dario is we need to have a look at him. You know, at some three, possibly paired with Jaleel and 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 and, and Joel. Um, I think his natural position is a four, but I think once we have a, a roster, a full roster, a healthy roster to work with, which we do not have now, then uh, we can give more clarity on how we try to uh, you know see that test. That to date, he's been very much uh, only playing the four spot. You you guys have just had such bad luck with the injury bug. It's like. Is there stuff you look at internally, like what could we do differently? Or is this, I mean, a lot of it's just been unfortunate bad luck and it's not to turn this into a conversation about the locker room and major league, but like, do you just have to have some supernatural person come in and, you know, change the mojo in the locker room? You know, we, we study it all. There's so much, there's so much information nowadays yeah. with sports science. We're all sort of, in an analytical and sports science arms race where everybody's trying to find an edge. And I feel like with, uh, with my own personal experience with three Olympic games and, you know, coaching overseas for so long that the Australian Institute of Sport was, was world-class, you know, cut, cutting edge on 
basic recovery stuff. I think if our league is anything, it's a it's a recover recovery league. How do you back it up? You got 82 games and you got four games in a week. How do you reload? How do you re-deliver? How do you back it up? And so it gets down to your health. It gets down to recovery and all the sports science stuff. And so we are so uh, mindful of all the loading and all the information that's available. We don't feel uh, any responsibility to the injuries. I feel like Ben coming down on somebody's foot or Jaleel, you know, bumping into Isaiah Cannon's leg during a game. Those types of things are just some unfortunate situations that are a part of sport. Um, but the bottom line is right now we are not at 100% health. Everybody knows that. So it's on me to, to take our group and make sure that we move this team forward with the realities of what we have and continue to develop and continue to educate them on what is truly NBA life. How do you navigate this whole NBA scene and develop professional routines and use our brand new practice facility that we just moved into a few weeks ago that we're all so proud of. And so the teaching, the education, the movement of our guys, no matter what the roster looks like, is still ever-present for me in my day-to-day world. With, you know, you've got Dario who comes out of the Olympics. I think it's obviously after every Olympics it becomes kind of a, a conversation around the league. Are you a believer that there's kind of a bounce for guys who come out of, in the, you know, for a lot of these guys we'll talk about out of the American system, where they've had to play, they've gotten to practice against the highest level of players. They've kind of had to go out and represent their country at a high level. And they come in with a, not only just physically in shape, but with a, a real bounce in their step and a kind of their game got pushed a little and it shows the next year. I, I think that's true. And, and I've coached, you know, myself overseas for a long time. During my San Antonio life, you know, you, you, you saw Manu come in and Tony come in and all those guys. And I think that there's just a... Uh, there's an education of playing against adult men and playing, uh, you know, at high-level basketball that can't help but expedite somebody's improvement on how the game develops, on how their mind works, on the physical side of it all, on the professional side of it all. Um, it, it, it's, it's pushed forward. It's moved forward. And I think, you know, their needle moves on how they judge themselves and how they prepare for games and uh, I just think it puts them in great shape to go play for instance in, in our league I think Dario's base uh, as an example is solid to do that Coach, a lot of talk around the Sixers over the last year obviously was about the kind of changeover in the front office uh, and the talk about trying to you know bring in some veterans and win more, a little more now and, and kind of from your perspective as the coach, did it change what you're doing much, or are you, have your goals changed? You know, they really haven't. I feel, uh, I feel the partnership that I have with, uh, with our owners, with David Blisser and, and, and Josh Harris, has been very transparent and clean uh, from day one. Uh, we, 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 we've, we've sat and talked a lot about the direction we want to grow our program, you know, in many ways, I feel like I'm the sort of steward of their business, the gatekeeper of our culture. And, you know, how do we see the world? What are we trying to achieve? I think Brian Colangelo has, has come in and has been tremendously helpful to me um, with, with, with many different things. We spitball ideas. We talk all the time about what's the next step. But the basic core beliefs of what we're trying to do with the growth of the program and how we want to, 
you know, get things done and grow this at a very responsible rate and what the end game needs to be, though those core values have not changed. It's a challenge, no doubt, and the city of Philadelphia deserves a lot of credit. You know, they've allowed us to, uh, to, to, to move at the pace we are moving and trying to form something that has a chance to be annually successful. With that culture, you know, with what you're trying to build there, I will be honest, your name comes up when you start to talk about coaches who are on the hot seat only because you check some of the boxes of, of you know, your GM didn't hire you, the team is struck, you know, not winning a lot of games. Have you had any conversations with, man, you know, ownership or, or the Colangelos about this? Or are you at all, is that something you just can't worry about and don't even really concern yourself with? I mean, all my conversations with, uh, with our owners and Jerry Colangelo and Brian Colangelo are all the same. You know, like we're all on the same page trying to do the same thing. Uh, my contract was extended last year. Yeah where I have now three years left on my contract. Um, I'm proud to coach this team, and I feel very strong and confident with the, uh, with the relationships and the direction that I'm being given by the people that pay me. And I feel so uh, aligned with, the, with Jerry and Brian and what we're trying to achieve. There is a vision that we have in place. The excitement, as I said previously, with our new home and our new practice facility, allows all of us to feel like we really are in a very professional environment where sort of the holistic approach of trying to grow these guys is everything's under one roof. And I think the program is, is so strong, you know, despite the record that we've had, we're really proud about the, the way we do work and my staff. I love my staff. We've, we've grown that staff now over three years going into season four. Uh, and I feel just very confident on w- what direction the program is heading. So you feel good about the foundation, but with a young team, again, in this season, I think you expect there, there were going to be losses again. It's still a process with this team. How do you keep their spirits up? How do you not, I mean, these are, most of them come out of situations where they've done a lot of winning for a lot of years. How do you keep their spirits up, their, their energy going, and their motivation going through a long season? Well, we, we've, we've had a lot of practice at, at doing this, and it's, it might be the, the single thing I'm most proud of with our guys. I give my guys a lot of credit. We, we've never felt like there was a beatdown. We, we've lost games, but we've never lost the locker room. And uh, we talk all the time about trying to win the day, trying to grow people's games, trying to make sure that you know development still is one of the focal points of what we're trying to do. And I'm convinced that, that all players, good players, young players, new players, they want to be coached. They want to be told the truth. They want to be made to show up on time. They want the environment to be real, to be highly accountable. And so I coach them that way, and uh, we try to help them grow their games. I feel like the relationships are genuine as we try to move forward. I've coached a lot of players. and enjoy bumping into my guys as I see them, even though many aren't still with me. And it's just part of that daily uh, sort of uh, drumbeat in order to, uh, to hold the group together as, as some hits are taken, and hits will be taken. But I think that, that landscape is something that uh, we've had practice of, uh, of dealing with, and so far I'm very proud of what, what our guys have been able to endure. You touched on something I was curious about. I've had this conversation with 
a, a number of coaches, including uh, Coach K with Team USA and a bunch of other. Do you think you know you've coached guys like you said, even in the NBA from the an older generation of the Tim Duncan era through today's? Are the players different? Do they want to be taught things in a different way, or is that kind of overblown and just kind of get off my lawn, old men stuff? I think uh, there is no doubt that this new generation of player hears differently, learns differently. There are different buttons you have to push. You know, I think it's incumbent upon me to talk their language, uh, to figure out how do I get to them, how do they best learn, what buttons uh, are the hottest. But the base still remains. People want to work. People want to be coached. People want to learn. People want to get better. They want to feel like they're a part of something that is solid. Those are still, to me, the parameters of, of certainly great players, and I think even good players, they want that. They, they may cry about it. They may fight it. But, you know, all those things matter, and they especially matter as you're trying to build a base and set expectations as you move into a new sort of generation with our young guys. And that's part of where we started out at the beginning, Kurt. You know, like, how do you establish standards? How do you grow leaders? And, uh, yeah. you know, those those core values really don't change. I just think how you say it, sell it, and tell it, you know, those things have a little bit of variables twisted in. Yeah, Shashevsky talked about, you know, and this is obviously a guy for people who don't know his background. I mean, military academy, coached under Bobby Knight, a do as I say, you know, ask, don't ask, when I tell you to jump, ask how high kind of guy. And he said that the change is, for him, he's got to explain why now. If you explain why, guys will run through the wall for you. But there's a lot more of that than them just doing it because they were told to do it. I feel like that's as good a way and a simpler way to to say what we are talking about. You know, I think uh, when you ask people, you know, what do you think? You know, how do you see it? You can make it a collaborative conversation where it's not always scolding. You know, like anybody, sometimes you gotta you gotta jump on people, and you gotta sort of call them out. You know, where it's an effort based thing versus a mental thing. Yeah. And uh, we go overboard with effort. We we have different charts that we judge. You know, do we simply play hard? And I think uh, with our losses we've experienced over the years, I'm proud of the way I believe the large majority of the league views us. That our guys play you know, like their hair's on fire and that there's a real commitment to trying to 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 just play uh, with the spirit I think the city has. Uh, the, the thing you just said about, you know, why be in the end game, why are we doing this, I, 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 hear, I hear that. And um, teaching our guys, understanding how they best learn is all a part of that. How do you handle it? I mean, you've got a competitive guy who's, you know, been around basketball pretty much your entire adult life. How do you handle all the losing? Uh, oftentimes I don't. You, you know, <laughs> you, you go home and you, you think a lot. And you come back in and you put your uh, your uh, priorities uh, out in front of, you know, sort of my, myself on the desk. And you remind yourself of why you took the job. You remind yourself of what's most important. What do you have to get done today? It always points back to the basic things, most of which we've already spoken about over the past 20 minutes, and you get back to work. It's, it's, I love coaching basketball. I've been around the game my whole life, and I actually see our program 
in a far different light than I would have two years ago where you can go up and touch, you know, Joel Embiid and you can look at Dario Saric and you can walk out in a, you know, multi-million dollar practice facility and feel like you got a legitimate home. And so never since I've been coaching the 76ers has it been sort of a better environment for me personally and it just gets me more excited to wake up and go do my job. Well, that's great. Coach, uh, I know you're in D.C. Get there. Go out to dinner. There's a couple of good restaurants in D.C. You might be able to find one tonight if you look around a little. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, thanks for spending the time. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Of course, you can find this podcast and all the Pro Basketball Talk NBC podcasts on iTunes. Please go there and subscribe. That's always the easiest way for, for just about most of us who listen to a lot of podcasts. Of course, you can also find us on Stitcher, which is a fantastic app for organizing your podcasts on your phone. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us at Audio Boom, where we have a homepage uh, not only for Pro Basketball Talk, and you can find our archive, but all the NBC Sports podcasts are on there. Great stuff. Thank you, as always, and we will be back next week to talk about more NBA. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.